You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Joshua chapter 7 and I thank God for you think that all of you people here in this great auditorium lower floor balconies have chosen to be in the house of God and to think that you could be many places today but you say I want to be at God's house and I I commend you it's the right thing to do we're not doing anything out of order that this is some big thing but it's the right thing and I'm so very thankful for you Let's take our Bibles, Joshua chapter number 7. Of course, Joshua's now come on the scene and Moses has died. They had the great victory at Jericho and now they're going to have a great defeat because of their pride and flesh at Ai. And we'll want to read together verses 1 through 10. Let me read verse 1 and you read the even-numbered verses. I'll read the odd-numbered verses. Let's stay together. I'll read verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Ready? Begin. And Joshua sent men from Jericho. and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Or let about two, three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor there, for they are but few. So there went up and the men of Ai smote them, about thirty-six men. For they chased them from before the gate, even of Shabarim, and smote them in the going down thereof, the hearts of the people did melt and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes. And And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over this Jordan to deliver us to the hand, the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we'd been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. O oh Lord, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and they shall environ us around and cut us off our name from the earth, and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, I want to look at verse 10, and I want to speak on this subject this morning. Get thee up. Get up. It's time to get up. My life changed at age 16. At age 16, something took place, and I was able to get up on my own. From 16 to this day today, I've had no trouble. I've not had to set an alarm. If I go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and have to get up at 4 o'clock for an air flight, I, I will set an alarm 
but I don't need to set an alarm. I'll just wake up, and I'll wake up a few minutes ahead of time, be ready to go. It just works that way. I really began to work full-time at age 16, and I worked in the grocery store. It was that those days over here in Irvington District called Fry's Food Stores. I know we have a Fry's Electronics now. I don't know if they're any combination, but they're the exact same sign. But it was a supermarket. I worked sometimes over here in Santa Clara on, uh, at the Moonlight Shopping Center at the Fry's. I had to be at work at 5 o'clock. So that means I had to get up early and shower and get ready and drive from Centerville to Irvington and get up and on my own get there. I'd stop at the Winchell's Donut Shop and get a Winchell's. And then I'd go to the supermarket and they taught me you never knock on a glass door like this. Inside they won't hear you. You always take a ring and you knock on the glass without breaking the glass and it echoes through that building and I've done it ever since. I can get up. Prior to age 16, I could have slept all day long. My dad would try to wake me up, and I talk about him so much, so I won't give you the illustrations, but, uh, Bo, I tell you what, I can remember him trying to wake me up. I could never wake up in the morning. I hated mornings. I hated getting up in the morning, and yet it changed at age 16. You know, it's time to get up. You can lie around and have a pity party. You can be depressed, discouraged, and defeated, and you think you're the only one in life that has sorrows and difficulties, or you can get up. There's something to get done in your life. There's a job to do in Sunday school this morning. Brother Ronald Castile is one of our boys that went through our high school, and he gave testimony how that a bus picked him up over here in Fremont years ago, and they began to come, and one of you, I don't know if Brother Travis is you, but someone began to help him. High school, his mom got saved over in Hayward, actually, and his mom got saved, and his siblings got saved, and, and, um, and he began to grow in the Lord. God brought him to our high school and played ball here, and he was such a good ball player and a good person. God brought him through college, and after Golden State Baptist College, God put him at Stanford Hospital, and he's a supervisor there in the cancer area, and he's a tremendous man, and he's around those sorrows every single day. And his lesson so many times today, he was talking about commitment. And he looked in the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, and, and as he was teaching, I thought, my goodness, this is for me. And a lot of it, what he was saying, is exactly what I'm coming today. You know, he said, get committed for a lifetime. Get committed to your marriage. Get committed to your church. Get to, committed to a bus ride or a Sunday school class. Just get committed. He said, that bus reached me so many years ago. I still, as an adult man, 15 years after graduation from high school, college, whatever it is now, he said, I'm still driving the bus. Uh, people invested in me. I'm going to invest in them. Uh, get up. Get up. What is it in life that you say, so well, I'm wallowing down here in the pit. I'm, I'm so low I could spit on the floor and slide under the door. We've all been there. And you have no idea I might be there right now. I'll never tell you. Life is full of ups and downs. And a lot of times there's downs. And the older you get in life, the more downs you have. You think, well, it gets bigger and better. No, you get more situations in life and you deal with it day after day after day and more sorrows and more disappointments and more calls saying we're in hospitals, we're in this, we're in that. That's part of life. You don't have less trials the older you get. You get more trials the older you get. So good night, I'm in a lot of trials now. Well, hang on, there'll be more. You'll face it to the day you die. 
Job 14, 5. Here is this man by the name of Joshua. And as I look at this man leading the people to great victory in chapters 1 through 6, I find we get to 7, there's great defeat. And when you get to a moment of great defeat, you're going to have to get up. When these people went to conquer Ai, his advice was, don't send everybody. We all don't have to be involved. Why involve all of us? Let's get two or 3,000. And the Jews had to flee from the enemy, and 36 men died, and all of a sudden, the leader is down on his face praying? No, he's complaining. Would to God would stay over there. I wish I'd obeyed the people. I wish I'd listen. That's part of life. I could go back and look at my ministry. I wish I hadn't done this or started this or begun this ministry. I did this. And, and I, in a moment of weakness and, and where there's no faith, you begin to double guess yourself. Why did I do this? And when there's trial, why did I do this? And why, why, why did this happen? Why is that? And, and we're down on our face, not praying. We're having a pity party. God comes and he says in verse 10, I want you to read it with me. Ready? Begin. And the Lord said unto Joshua, what, what, what caused him to go down? What caused him, yes, the 36 men, but in this text, what, we're, what caused a man, a great leader? Moses, my servant, is now dead. Arise, Joshua, lead these people. Every, foot that thou, every place that the foot shall tread upon, that I have given thee. From the going down of the sun, and he begins to describe the land of Israel that God had already given Abraham. And now God says, you're claiming it back. It's your land. And the people said, only thou be courageous and do what God commands you and we will follow you. Chapter one. Oh, it was an exciting time. They marched around that city called Jericho. And all of a sudden, as they marched around those walls on the seventh day, the walls came flat. It was a victory that God had won. And they get to this one. What caused him to go down? What caused him to be discouraged and defeated and low? I want you to see it was the conduct of the people. He was ministering to God's people. Notice what the Bible says of their conduct. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. Go back to the previous chapter, verse 18. And ye, in any wise, keep yourself from the accursed thing, lest you make yourself accursed. When ye take the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble, what's the accursed thing? Well, the city was the accursed thing. Jericho, it did not belong to them, it belonged to God. Here's what the cursed thing was, verse 19. But of all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Don't touch that which belongs to God. He says you're gonna have many cities, but the first city belongs to me. Huh, there's some good stories there about tithing right there, but we'll just throw that out there. God says don't you touch it. There's a man in the camp who 
represent the Jews because when, when one sins, it, that sin affects all of us. His name was Achan. And Achan, the Bible says in verse one of chapter number seven, he, he took the accursed thing. He, he, he put his hand on what God said, don't touch it. He tells us later in this passage, I saw it, I took it, and I hid it. I saw it, I took it, I hid it. If it was the right thing to do, why'd you have to hide it? And here is Achan. And Achan decided, I can sin, I can hide it, and there'll be no consequences. But Achan, not only are 36 men gonna die, your wife and your children are gonna die also because you took something that did not belong to you and you wanted something that did not belong to you and you took it for your selfish gain and selfish self and now all of a sudden the leader and the people are all gonna pay because of you. I don't know what part of this we don't understand today, ladies and gentlemen. Many people sin and they don't think they're sin will have consequences. This won't bother my son. This won't bother my daughter. This won't bother my mother. This won't bother my father. This won't bother the people of God. This won't bother the leader. This won't bother, uh, this, this is no big deal. But all of our decisions, especially decisions that are rooted in sin, hurt everyone. It's not going to hurt to lay out a church. It's not going to hurt to become careless with Wednesday night or Sunday night. I'll do my one and done. Remember that when you're in the 911 hospital. God, I'm going in this six hour surgery, but I just need you for one hour. I'll take care of the rest on my own. After all, I've been doing my hour thing on Sunday morning for years. My Bible says in Colossians chapter three, verse four, Christ, who is our life? Can't you see? Can't we see together this nation is coming apart at the seams? Can't we see that? Can't we see that our churches are having less church and more party and less services and more games? Can't we see what's going on and our nation is plunging into hell, the vulgarity of our nation, the filth of our nation, swearing at one another on programs and TVs and radio and sports personalities and criminals and people getting arrested for, for uh, uh, all these sins. Don't we see what's happening? Why is it happening? Because we think we could take the accursed thing, the Lord's day. We think we could do for ourselves what we want to do. We are living in such a self-centered day. I need this. I want this. I love so much what I'm doing. Sometimes you get to the point you think, am I wasting their time and everybody's life? 
We live in such a careless day. It's so troubling to me. It's so wearisome to me. Verse number, verse number three, the conduct of God's people brought them down. And, and I think what we have to realize is we need to get rid of toxic people in our lives. People that drain you spiritually, be polite to everybody about. <laughs> toxic people wear you out. The internet with its toxicity will wear you out. Some of you in this very room are destroying your Christian life because you're living on that YouTube and you're living on that internet and you're living on that garbage. Isn't it amazing that uh, Steve Jobs did all these amazing things? Isn't it amazing? Passed away now, but isn't it amazing all that he created and invented with Apple? Was it Apple? I have it right. Isn't it amazing? Lived in a modest house over here. When they said about all the electronic gadgets your kids must have, the iPads and everything, the newest and the best, they said, I don't allow them to use it. We don't have it in our home. We're destroying our lives. Get rid of that which is toxic. The aching that's invaded your life, get rid of it. If you're married, I'm not talking to you, get rid of your husband or your, he might be the toxicity, I'm not sure. But the conduct of God's people, that which is around you of sin and garbage and filth, get rid of it. That will destroy you. And then I see the carelessness of others. Do you see it, verse 3? And they returned to Joshua and said, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand. Don't make everybody get involved. We, we, we live in a day where we're trying to put the last push on till Jesus comes again, and he's coming. I'm struggling more than I've ever in 43 years of my ministry here. I'm struggling more to find bus drivers and bus captains and Sunday school teachers and workers and sound people and nursery workers and people to help. I'm, I'm struggling more than ever in my life. Say, what? We've got a great church. We don't have a great church. We have the greatest church in America. There's nothing like it. I feel it's the greatest church in the world. But the labors are few. I said it a few weeks. We need 20 nursery workers right now. Thank God for these 29 buses that go out. Over a million and a quarter riders have come in, but we've taken routes today and merged these two and merged these two and merged these two because we're short on drivers. Well, I don't have time. Well, yeah, I know, but room for, room for pleasure, room for business, but for Christ the crucified. Why can't we drive a bus? Miss Trevor is reading this great book this week. She reads all the time. She's reading this book from this doctor we told about our, in our class, a pediatrician. And he says, stop the television with your family. Stop the social media. Stop the running, running. They're in every little league team. They're in every soccer team. They're in every sports team. They're in every event. They're going, going, going. They have to be in these leagues at age seven or they're not going to be a professional later in life. Well, yeah, we're, we're not looking for professional. We're just looking for character. It's a bunch of nonsense. You know what the best care? I'm all for sports. 
what the best thing is? Have your family calm down. Have an evening meal and not at the ball game all the time. Calm your house down. Read books. Mother, dad, you read books. Children, they'll see you. Let them. Our kids aren't in books. Yep, they're into everything else. And then you have not raised kids. You're going to tell me how to do it. You say, well, you acted like you're so smart. I can tell you where you're going to fail because I've been there. I can tell you where you're going to succeed. Yeah, but I tell you what, I went on the internet and I was talking to some of my girlfriends and talking to some of my the fellows and we, we, we know how to do it. Yeah, and, and they're 27 years old and have no idea either. I'm having a good time today. You know that sweet spirit we had? I'm about ready to ruin it all right now. I'm talking about there's carelessness. You're going to hear it to the day I die. If the Lord tarries and I die, I, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting everybody in the Lord's work. Not so much the less, but so much the more. I can read our church. I can read several of you right now. You're ready to quit your class or your bus or your this and that. Are you a bad person? No, but you're tired. I understand that. But we've got a world to reach. We've got something to get accomplished. Stay in there. The devil sits on my shoulder and says, well, maybe you should be done too. You've, you, you, you've, maybe these people need a different guy. And don't come and tell me, no, you're the, because maybe this church does. I don't know. I hope not. There comes a time maybe in my own life reality has to sit in and maybe you need a younger, I know all that stuff. Don't worry, I'm not gonna, but until that day comes, I'm gonna try to get everybody not doing less for Jesus, doing more for Jesus. Knocking on doors and visiting people and talking to people and passing tracts and praying and doing what we ought to do. I find here in this text, this leader went down because the conduct of the God's people, they began to sin and the carelessness of God's people and the consequences they never realized, but 36 men are gonna die. And number four, the calamity of God's people. Notice their hearts in verse number, verse number five, the calamity of the latter part of verse, the hearts of the people became as water. I think in church work today, we're working with people that your hearts are beginning to melt. We are so obsessed with all the negativity of what's going on in the world and government and all this happening here that I, I just think there's no hope and I think we're gonna go down. I think this, we're gonna just have a World War III. Yes, there will be a World War III. And God's gonna be at the helm of that thing. There might be skirmishes from now to then, but God one day is going to be in charge of the battle of all battles. The calamity, these people say, well, our hearts melted. Dad, you have to keep courage in your heart for the sake of your family. Your family may not even need you anymore, really, you think. That's up to them. But you still have to have courage. You must have courage. 
They must see a mother still, uh, your kids grow up, we must see mama still going to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, praying, soul winning, working, serving. You're setting an example, you're passing down. I find number five, really quickly, the condition of their leader, verse six. Joshua ran his clothes and fell to the, the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide. The condition of the leader, the leader got discouraged. Whether you voted for President Trump or not, that's up to you. But at this point in America's history, he's our leader. Whether you like it or not. Just like when Mr. Obama was our leader, he's still on my prayer card, my prayer list. Pray for the man. I don't know if I agreed with anything he did. But I prayed for his safety, and I prayed for his salvation, and I prayed for his wife, I prayed for his girls, I still do. We have two liberal women, that very, very liberal senators, and they're on my prayer list. And our liberal governors on my prayer list. I'm responsible to pray for them. God's word commands me to pray. Whether you like the leadership of Mr. Mr. Trump or not, his kids, his wife, his children, from I know multiple marriages, I know all that stuff, I know it all. The world's made sure we know about all that. You have a moral and a spiritual responsibility to pray for that man. It's been reported that 92% of all news about him is negative. People turn on him left and right. I pray for that man. My wife knows you pray at night for him. It's got to be discouraging. Say, well, it doesn't seem like it bothers him. Trust me. Trust me. It bothers him. Well, everybody at North Valley Baptist Church loves pastor. You do. And then there's this one. And then there's this one. And that one, if I'm not careful, I begin to spin from that person right there. And that hurt right there. And that issue right there. Oh, how we need to pray for leadership. You go to work tomorrow, and don't, don't start analyzing your boss. You go start Apple. You go start Google. You start Facebook. You start a Shell gas station. You go do it. Not Shell, any other one, but not Shell. Leadership needs to be prayed for. Leadership needs to be encouraged. And here is this, here's this leader, and, and he, he's, he's, he's brokenhearted. And he begins to complain. The leader says this, would to God, he agrees with the people, would to God we'd been content to dwell on the other side. He forgot about the victory at Jericho. He forgets about that the next chapter is going to be a victory at Ai and Gibeon. And, and he, he doesn't know about all those victories ahead. There will be victories. But the cure is verse 10, and here's our message, and I'm done. And the Lord said to Joshua, get thee up. Why do you get up? Because one, God said to get up. Why do you get up? Because secondly, it's the right thing to do. Why do you get up? Because there's work to do. Why do you get up? Because, Joshua, you have an example to set. 
You got people that are watching you. You're going to have to get up. That sweet old man who was a young man when I was a boy, 16 and below, he'd walk in that little middle bedroom of the house. He'd start the music going six something in the morning, Christian music, loud. Dad was 90% deaf and he was loud. The hearing aid he could hear, he was loud. Even when he thought he was quiet, he was loud. He'd speak loud. And he'd get that music. He'd start singing, Since Jesus came into my... Ah, oh, Dad. Uh, I put those covers over my ear. Ah, oh, he was loud. Open up the door. Get up! Since Jack is still in the bed. Get up. He'd, say, he'd put words to it. I know you think he was wrong. He said, I'm coming back with water. He'd take a little juice glass. I know you think, oh, you know, that's why I'm this way. He, he tormented me. I have these emotional problems now. <laughs> he also believed in something that we don't believe in today. Nowadays, spanking. And he, he believed in spanking. He just believed in that. But he believed in love. My dad would come with that little juice glass and put a little water on his fingers and go, wake up, son. Dad, dad. He'd come back next time a little bit more. Go away. Go away. He'd have the glass and he'd be getting ready to pour it over the top. And he'd say, hey, son, look up. Look up. Dad, no. No. He never poured on me. Dad, no. Get out of here. I'm getting up. That was till about age 15. And somewhere after that 15, things began to change. You know, I love getting up in the morning. I love them. I just love them. I look forward to it. You ever feel like you've slept enough? Never. That's why I'm thinking about resigning the church to become a church member so I can go out there and sleep while, like some of you folks do uh, once in a while. And, and I don't think anybody's ever done that. It's, if you do, it's my fault. It's time to get up. It's time to get up and get saved. Just get saved. It's time to sell out to your marriage. It's time to sell out to your family. It's time to sell out to your parents. It's time to sell out. It's time to sell out to your work, your job that God's given you, whether it be Christian or secular. It's time to sell out to cleaning up your house, cutting your lawn. It's time to get up and serve the Lord and get in the choir, not hit and miss, just get in the choir, get in the orchestra, get behind the wheel of a bus. It's time to invest your life. Get up. I closed when I was in college, and I've said it before. Don Scoville, he'd meet us at 6 o'clock in the morning. Starting in October, we'd have to sing the Hondo Messiah. We'd have to practice every morning at 6 o'clock, stand for an hour before we could ever go to breakfast. And one morning, people were so tired and sleeping. He goes, I'll never forget. He said it so many times. Hey, young people. 
More people die in bed than anywhere else. Get up, stay up. I thought about that. I didn't think it all the way through. I was kind of a dumb student. I thought, yeah, I want to get out of bed. I'm not dying in bed. But that's where most of us are going to die. But he taught me something. Get up. Joshua is such a man of God. But this defeat so wore him down that he I can't get up. God says, you get up anyway. God wasn't interested, you'll see it in that text, he wasn't interested in his worship. He wasn't interested in, in, in renting his clothes and sackcloth and falling. He says, it's time to get up, son. You've got to do something about it. There's something in your life that God wants you to deal with. Then you better get up and do it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.